0: Welcome to Sherry's Playhouse. We are proud to present Never Too Late, written by Mary D. Brooks and directed by Sherry Rabinowitz. Act 1, Scene 1, November 15, 1948, Sydney, Australia. Zoe Lambros and Elena Manheim strolled through the farmer's department store. The store was crowded with shoppers moving about, browsing and chattering. It had been a lean few years since the war had ended. Money, as well as goods, had been scarce. Still, with the end of hostilities in Europe and the Pacific, products started flowing through and people began to spend some of their hard-earned money. Everywhere Zoe looked was someone cooing about their boyfriend or husband. It annoyed her that she couldn't do the same for her wife. Eva.
1: I bet some of those girls are buying things for their girlfriends. There are many lesbians around, but we are hidden in the shadows. Do you think I'm abnormal, El? You are one
2: of a kind, Soso. Do I think you're abnormal because you're a lesbian? No. Others do, and that's why
1: you have to be careful. They think we're infested with demons, but aren't normal for thinking such rubbish. I want to kiss my girl in the street without anyone caring. One day, I will be allowed to have that right. It's just the way things are, and that will change. Because society tells us something is normal, then it's normal? Yes, that's how the world works. They set out what's expected and what they consider normal. I love a woman. That is normal to me. I'm sick of people saying that what I feel is a sin against God. I'm sick of people saying I'm a deviant. It makes me awfully mad. Everyone says it's wrong, but I know it's not. You're my friend, and it hurts to think that you think it's wrong. Oh, I didn't say I thought it was wrong.
2: All I said was that it wasn't normal. Men marry women. They don't marry men, and women don't marry women. It's not going to change, no matter
1: how much you try. That's because everyone is afraid. One day, Elena Mannheim, homosexuals and lesbians will be accepted. Just wait. One day, they will walk down the street, and they will be able to kiss their lover out in the open. Hmm. Would you do it? Out in the open for the world to see? Yes! I would kiss my girl for all the world to see. Fifty years from now, Elle, things will be different. I bet you that when we are old, we will marvel at how people's attitudes have changed. And we will be seen for who we are and not the deviants they think we are. It will happen. And I'll be able to marry my girl and call it for what it is. She is my wife. And I will shout it from the rooftops. Just wait. I don't think so, So, so-so. Sure, I'll
2: make a bet that it doesn't happen. Easiest bet I will ever win. Scene 2,
0: 1958. September 12, 1958. When the excitement of Eva and Zoe's 10th wedding anniversary celebration dissipated, life at the Lambros family household was restored to its customary bedtime bedlam. As the noise level subsided and peace returned, Eva Lambros was overjoyed that God had given her the most precious gifts possible, her wife, Zoe, and their children. Eva wrapped a comforting arm around her partner's waist as Zoe slept. She kissed a sleeping Zoe goodnight And closed her tired eyes. Then she began to see images coalesce into a fusion of visions. Sixty-nine years later, September 12th, 2017, the marriage equality plesbicide bill was enacted in the Australian Parliament and the campaign for same-sex marriage to become legal under Australian law began. Ziva Lambros stood at the center of the cavernous warehouse and looked around the space that would become the campaign hub for the SSM campaign. Two cameras were slung across her back, and one was in her hand. Z hated digital cameras. She had been taught to use a proper film camera, which she preferred. She was in her late 20s and had blazing red hair and green eyes. Tall and imposing were descriptions often bandied about, and the usual fiery redhead would follow. Comparisons to her grandmother Zoe Lambros were also mentioned. Z didn't have a problem with the comparison. She looked like her grandmother, but wasn't an artist. She was a quiet woman with more in common with her grandmother Eva Lambros than Zoe. Her photography skills came from Eva as well. Photography was a way for her to escape attention. Not that being over six feet would allow her to be invisible. Z hated reporters and preferred to be on the other side of the camera and nowhere near a microphone. On hearing the door to the floor open, Ziva turned to see her eldest brother, Michael, heading her way. So, what do you think?
3: I like the blue suit, and for once, it matches your tie and your crazy blue eyes.
4: Smartass, I admit the building, it's perfect.
3: It's exactly what Yaya Zoe is after. I've taken a few good shots of the building.
4: Those photos are going to take at least a day to process. Why can't you be like a normal photographer and take digital shots? If you had taken them in your phone camera, I could show them to Yaya when we head to the Observer's head office.
3: And normal photographers take the best photos Mickey Mouse. If I'd taken them with my inferior phone camera, it would have made me cry. And you don't want me weeping on the floor, do you?
4: Oh, God, no. I would have to explain how I made you cry to Uma.
0: No pass. The two looked at each other and laughed. Ziva leaned over and kissed her brother on the cheek.
4: Hi! doesn't your imaginary girlfriend work at the best cat litter newspaper? Does she have two heads or something? Is that why you haven't introduced her to the family yet?
3: That's so witty. No, she doesn't have two heads. She works for the Observer. And you'll meet her when the time is right.
4: Don't you think she should have met us before you fell off the cliff?
3: I should have introduced her. But I didn't anticipate falling off that quickly.
4: Well too late now. At least she's not a vapoured hussy like the last one.
3: Riley wasn't a vapored hussy. She was a little self absorbed and enjoyed showing a lot of skin. If I remember correctly, you didn't complain about her then.
4: Oh, I hope she was good and
3: <laughs> oh, Michael Penny of this Slumberers. Wash your mouth out
4: with soap. Not my line, Zerl. That was one of Theo's jams.
3: Of course it was. As for Danielle, I'm not marrying her. Huh? Well, at least not yet.
4: Waiting for her approval?
3: Oh, go away. By the way, don't try to find Darnie while you're there. No, ma'am. Or asking anyone if they know Danny?
4: Oh, no mum, Yaya said she would call later about what happened at the Observer. Before I forget, she wanted me to give you this letter. It's not for you, it's for your girlfriend.
3: Danny is going to be so happy. Isn't she
4: too old for her fan letters?
3: Do I need to remind you that you wrote a fan letter to Bruce Springsteen and still had his autograph Photo and note in your office?
4: Find like a steel trap.
3: I'll live to torture you, big brother. Have fun at the Observer. And remember, Yaya loves you enough to drag you with her. Love you, Mickey Mouse.
4: Love you too, Zorro.
0: Scene three. After hanging up the phone, Danielle Peters let out a sigh. It seemed she had asked the same questions a thousand times. Danny was sure that serving as a medic in the Australian Army Reserves was more rewarding than dealing with obnoxious funeral directors or funeral homes. Danny didn't want to be at the office of the Daily Observer, a prominent right-wing newspaper in Sydney. Due to staff shortages, her friend and veteran reporter, Burke Carruthers, asked her to help in the death notices section. Danny was waiting to be called up for duty. She couldn't say no to the man who had worked the beat around Darlinghurst and saved her numerous times from the scrapes she got herself into. She owed Bert a debt of gratitude. The death notices did have a spacious office, but the persistent heavy rain that fell in Sydney damaged the office. When the rains brought part of the ceiling crashing onto her desk, Danny wasn't in the room. She was relocated to a disused, dingy utility room. The room reeked of bleach and another putrid smell that made her feel like she needed to vomit. The message app on Danny's computer interrupted Danny's plans to call another funeral home.
5: My brain cells dying, Bert. Call one
4: of the funeral directors to help you out. I'm in the wrong job.
5: Oh my God, that was bad.
4: All comedians are mocked in their hometowns. Hey, there is a lot of excitement over there. The goddess has graced our humble establishment.
5: Oh, please don't tell me some dizzy royals there. How will I cope? Like I have to find my smelling salts.
4: You're going to want to say this, Royal. She's got smithy and a tizzy. I haven't seen so much preening since the zoo's peacock did his mating dance.
5: I'm going to puke, adding to this room's subtle aroma. Oh, my God. Who died other than your sense of humor? Do I need to call the funeral guys?
4: Oh, my God. I would send a thousand heart emojis if I knew how to find the bloody emojis in this bloody program. I'm trying to find the video. It's an app, not a program.
0: Danny was waiting for Bert to answer, but all she could do was look at his bald head. He moved the computer screen to look over his shoulder and see the elevators without being seen. Zoe Lambrose stood between two tall men, one of whom was her editor, Smithy. She wore a long, flowing, bright yellow kimono, a crimson top with a gold phoenix in flight, and bright blue pants. Zoe Lambrose was hard to miss.
5: That's how you make an entrance.
0: Danny kept watching the screen as Zoe, the entourage, and her editor slowly made their way down the length of the newsroom. The diminutive Australian icon, who never had a kind word to say about the Daily Observer, was in the enemy's lair. It's your hero, Peters. Are you still alive? Have you
4: fallen off your chair? This reporter wants to know. Our readers
5: want to know. But admit it, you have a crush on her, too.
4: No, darling. Remember, I bought for the other time. so tore shreds off our firmer editor the last time she came in. Poor bastard didn't know what to do with his eviscerated guts.
5: Who was the Hulk next to her? Her bodyguard? Nope, that's her
4: grandson. Not sure if that's Michael or Theodore. Those boys look alike.
5: Zoe's gorgeous, even if she's in her 80s. And I love her talent. If you ask her nicely, maybe she wouldn't mind coming to
0: my office. Danny laughed at seeing that Bert had finally found the emojis. Twenty crying emojis appeared. He wasn't wrong. She would not have been able to speak to her idol without breaking into a sweat. Facing the enemy in the middle of a battle was easier. Her desk phone rang and she turned off the messenger app. While she was talking to a funeral home, Zoe Lambros was in the same building. The fates were having a great time toying with her. Scene four Ziva entered her apartment and felt like an exhausted pack mule. She was bone dead tired. All she wanted to do was take off her shoes get into a nice cold bath, but she needed to process the rolls of film and choose the best shots. She dropped the camera bags on the sofa. She eyed them momentarily before placing them on the floor and sitting down. She would rest momentarily, shut her eyes, and then get up to finish the job. She felt a warm hand gently cup her cheek and the smell of lavender. She opened her eyes and gazed up at her girlfriend kneeling beside her.
3: Hey, I was going to get up and process the film, but...
5: Your body said nope, and your eyes followed. Why don't you have a night off?
3: My grandmother is counting on me to have the photos ready for her to review. She's meeting with the building owners, and I don't want to disappoint her.
5: I've never met the Lambros clan yet, but you always put their needs above yours. Does everyone do that in this family?
3: (sighs) It's the Lambros code. Family's everything. That's
5: intense.
3: Not really. Enough about me. What's wrong?
5: How do you know there's something wrong?
3: You haven't devoured half your food.
5: You know when they say careful what you wish for, you might get it. Got you some chicken pad thai before I forget. Smithy walked into my closet.
3: Well, that's different. Has anyone told him you're supposed to come out of the closet?
5: That's terrible. Before I get to Smithy, you will not guess who graced our offices today. My yaya Zoe. You knew? You didn't tell me, Zee.
3: Good Lord, you would have hyperventilated and stressed yourself out if I'd told you. She told me she was going to see the editor. I thought I was clever and mean not to say anything to you.
5: Medics don't hyperventilate. Well, we don't usually do that the most right-wing newspaper in the country, and she just waltzed in. She was an explosion of colour in a drab cream office. She is
3: colourful. Do you really think a conservative newspaper would intimidate her? Ha!
5: That's funny! Everyone gets nervous, even if they are famous. She was there to tell our editor what she thought of him and the newspaper. She said the Observer's coverage of the SSM referendum was shit. He had the audacity to tell her it would improve if she was to give an interview about the referendum.
0: Z laughed and was happy to get her hands on the food. She munched away while Danny did a play-by-play of her grandmother's movements from the elevator to the editor's office. Z found it adorable the way Danny was overawed at the (laughs) non-meeting.
3: That's precisely what she was after. She got it. God, she's good.
5: She wanted them to have an interview with her so they would give balanced coverage? That's genius.
3: No doubt about it. So, did you get to meet
5: her? No, not that she would come into my office. I saw her on Bert's monitor camera. He conveniently angled it so I could watch Smithy's office. That's cold stock. Ah, Smithy wants me to do the interview. Z, he wants me to do the interview. Did you agree to it? My heart said yes and my brain said, What the hell are you going to do? I'm not a reporter. Even if I was, interviewing Zoe Lambros would be overwhelming.
3: Ah, uh, go with your heart. you baby want to be reporter. And my grandma dislikes and baby cubs.
5: That's comforting, sorta.
3: Whenever I had doubts, she would say, Zeba, Madonna, rise to the challenge, and passionately believed I could. You will rise to the challenge. I'll coach you on what to ask. She will never know you're not a reporter. By the way, I have something for you. Scene
0: five. Z smoothed an envelope from her back pocket on her knee. She smiled at Danny.
3: What's that? This is a response to your fan letter.
5: I don't write fan letters. The last letter I wrote to was, Oh my God, is that from your grandmother?
3: That's called a fan letter.
5: Zoe Lambrose read my letter? Really? Oh my God. She read it.
3: And then she fixed me with those eyes. Trust me. When I say you spill everything when Yaya Zoe looks at you, I told her about us.
5: Oh great. Now she'll think of falling in love with you to get to her. What did you tell her?
3: I told her that you fell over and landed at my feet and that you stammered your way through an introduction. She thought it was hysterical. I'm gonna die now. Please don't die. I love you too much. And you know, I'd miss you.
5: Don't mock me, Miss Lambrose. You know how I feel about your grandmother.
3: The only thing I don't have up in your room is a poster of her. be too much. Making love to you while my grandmother stares at me from the wall would make me anxious. Oh, I would
5: need therapy for years for that? Zee, that's all I'm going to be thinking about now. The great Zoe Lambrose critiquing me. You're outstanding. And I'm happy to tell my yaya how good you are. You have an evil streak. I can't believe you told her how we met. That's no way to introduce your girlfriend. Now that's the only thing she'll remember.
3: I'll tell you a secret. When you get to speak to her, look directly in at her. She hates when people don't. She thinks of being shifty.
5: Great to know. That would explain a lot about my first meeting with her. I wouldn't tell you about it until you found out I'm not a crazy woman.
3: So you're going to wait for me to fall madly in love and then tell me you're a crazy stalker chick? That's a good plan. I'm not serious because you've got your serious face on.
5: You're cracking me up. When I was 15, I was a street kid in Darlinghurst. I was restless and couldn't sleep, so I hung out with the working girls before passing the Lambros studio. I was furious to see aboriginal art on the walls of a white woman's art gallery. How dare this white woman misappropriate my culture's art? Zoe Lambros wasn't the first to use indigenous art, but it infuriated me.
3: Are you sure you're talking about my grandmother? She doesn't do any indigenous art. She thought it was wrong of her to do so. And it would rob the aboriginal artist. Maybe it was someone else's studio.
5: Gone outside the building, said L'Ambrose Studio, so yes, I'm sure. I was livid and defaced the art and scrawled something stupid on one of the artworks.
3: You've come a long way since you were a street kid. I know it's serious, but I wouldn't have fallen for you if I had known that.
5: Defacer of art is punishable by life sentence in Silverwater Prison. Well, I was young and stupid. I returned to that building the following night with my spray cans found an old lady sitting on the stairs. She was tiny, wearing this stupid bright yellow beanie with a crimson phoenix. But is eye is eye-watering. I'm sure the astronauts can see it from
3: the space station.
5: Yeah, that's funny. She got up and fixed me with a look that dared me to do something. If I did, I would get my ass kicked. You didn't attack, did you? I wouldn't attack an old lady.
3: She would have kicked your ass into next week if you tried.
5: I didn't know it then, but I handed her my cans and walked away. She stopped me by asking me if it gave me pleasure to destroy Indigenous art. That made my blood boil, and I vehemently defended myself. Oh my God, she would have loved your passion. So what happened? After arguing with her about how she shouldn't misappropriate art that wasn't her own culture, she asked me if I looked at my T-shirt before I wore it. I looked down at it, and it was an inverted V with a Spartan warrior helmet. Danny, that's the
3: definition of misappropriation. My great-grandmother was Spartan. That was
5: her culture. Have I mentioned how done I was? Someone passed us from the studio and did a good night. I didn't even know who Zoe Lambrose was. I thought it was my bad luck that I was the one that showed up instead of the person she was waiting for.
3: Nah, no, she was waiting for you. It was late at night, meaning she would have been home by then.
5: Great, right, just great. She invited me inside, and like the idiot that I was, I went with her. The first thing she did was introduce me to the artist whose work I defaced.
3: Bless you, Zoe Moo. You did this now come face the music. So who was it?
5: You have art all over the house. I initially thought if you you did it for my benefit, but then again, you just discovered how stupid I was. This place is like walking into an art gallery. You were
3: done at fifty, but so was everyone else. It wasn't Zoe's art or Elena Jacobs. Oh, my God. You didn't deface Auntie Allison's work? Yes. Holy hell, Danny. How did you not know her work?
5: 17 years ago she won the archibald prize i was a street kid that's my excuse i came face to face with royalty and it was a black face that looked back at me i didn't know who she was but she had kind eyes i was mortified mumbled my apology and ran out i was a coward and felt even more worthless than before i had five bucks in my pocket which was pretty much it so I wrote on it, sorry for being so stupid, and left it under the door.
3: I can tell you that that five box were worth more than gold to my grandmother. I love you even more. I really know how to pick an awesome girlfriend.
5: My, aren't we full of ourselves. I doubt she will remember me, and I hope she doesn't. I went to the local library the next day, fired up Yahoo, and was stunned by what I found. Your grandmother's the real deal. She was a Greek partisan in World War II, a war refugee, went to school here in Oz, and did the hard work of going to college. There's a massive chunk of her story missing. Still, she started the Lambros Foundation with her best friend, Elena Jacobs. She came out and became part of Darts on Bikes. She could have played it safe, but she didn't. She's a legend. <laughs> I need to take a breath. Does she still ride? I read an article in Two Wheels magazine that featured an article about her and her bikes. A 1958 black and red BMW was on the cover with her sitting astride it. I really want to know the significance of the name. There's a story there, right?
3: Yes, there is. And she still rides. Although she gives my grand-aunt a nightmares when she goes fast.
5: Your grandmother is an Australian living legend. Her bikes are different models.
0: Zee tried to suppress the giggles at Danny's adoration for her beloved grandmother.
5: Did you tell her I work at the Observer? Yes, I did. She told
3: me she was going there to confront them about the SSM coverage. I told her about
5: you. You should have seen her eyes go bing! I'm going to be sick. I don't know how I'll do the interview. There's so much to research. You know more about her than Google does.
0: You're going to be great. Z handed Danny the envelope, which showed the famous Phoenix and ZL watermark on the top of it. Danny stared at it.
3: It won't explode if you touch it.
5: That's her so handwriting, isn't it? So beautiful. He doesn't use a computer?
3: Not for personal letters. Open it. I'll try to read it by holding it to the light, but it was folded was oh, stop with the pout. I didn't try that. My grandmother would kill me.
0: Danny held the envelope briefly before carefully ungluing the flap and taking out the letter. Her face creased into a smile, and she gave the letter to Z to read.
3: Oh, dear God, thank us and the insanity. All right, I'll read it. Dear Miss Peters, I received your letter and I was deeply touched by it. He's deeply touched. She read it. Let me read this before you faint from the excitement. I don't give interviews and I dislike reporters almost as much as rats. Having said that, my beautiful granddaughter, Ziva, tells me you are not a reporter, but pretending to be one. I was relieved to hear this because I love her and she is an intelligent and gifted woman. To think she would be attracted to a real reporter would have had me in tears.
5: I love her. Oh my God, I love her.
3: Fanatic. I understand your work for The Observe, which publishes right wing propaganda worthy of girls. As much as it pains me to deal with them, I have to put aside my animosity. We must concentrate on your wavering no-voters, not our allies. We had them lined up to vote yes. We must appeal to no-voters and tap into their humanity. Go for the heart and the mind will follow. We need the no-voters to think about what it means purely on a basic human level. They need to understand this goes beyond their biases and religious convictions. We want them to consider their stance and why they don't want their fellow Australians to be happy. All they have to do is vote yes. Nothing changes for them. That's the badder plan. So you should know I'm planning to visit The Observer and get your editor to the song to interview me about the referendum. They have been relentlessly trying to interview with me for years. And I've denied them. I'm now giving them what they want.
5: Going into battle with your grandmother?
3: Yep. You get to fight along Zoe Rambrose. It's 300. Movie cosplayers. yeah.
5: You really must stop mixing your movies up. Have you seen 300? Oh, God, yes. I've seen it
3: so many times. As you can see, she's obsessed with King Leonidas and Thermopylae. She took us to Greece and we spent time in the Lamia.
5: Did you know that was her first resistance mission? How terrifying would facing the Germans on your first mission have been? Oh,
3: you're both petite and voices bigger and stronger than you. Don't lessen your bravery because my grandmother is your hero.
5: I'm not doing that, but the difference between us is that she was a teenager. I'm a medic and was trained to fight. Zoe was a trained hunter. Her father taught her. She's highly
3: proficient in using guns, crossbows and knives. My brothers have hunted with her. And she shames them with their prowess. You're kindred spirits. That's why you feel you connect with her.
5: Maybe, but it's not just her fighting prowess or bravery, but her ability to give a street kid like me a second chance. She gave me a purpose. It's hard to explain. Can you please read the rest of the letter?
3: I don't mean to demean her importance to you, but in my eyes, you are the same as my yaya. I know you don't like many compliments, but that's the truth.
5: I love you, Z. But I need to know what else she wants to say to me.
3: Okay, okay, where was I? Oh yeah, we as Australians, whether we are refugees or migrants, or have been here for millennia, hold that everyone deserves a fair go, regardless of their background. All people deserve to be treated with dignity, fairness and respect, which is what we want. If I can use my status to change the votes and achieve that, it will change the lives of millions in our community. Sun Tzu said it best when he wrote, tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. We must change the hearts and minds during the war. I relied on family of partisans to have my back. You did the same in Afghanistan. King Leonatus and his men lost the battle of Annopoli, but Greece won the war. I'm prepared to lose the fight with the Observer and give them a win, but I will not lose this war. I'm looking forward to going into battle with you.
0: Annie exhaled deeply and then wiped her eyes with the palm of her hand after taking a big breath. She looked at Ziva with a look of awe and shook her head.
3: I know you love her. Let me finish. And then you can bang her all you want. I also want to thank you for loving my granddaughter. You are the woman who has finally nabbed my beloved Ziva. I will meet you at the Lambrose Foundation for the interview. And since I hear you are a gifted artist, and I would love to see your art, I am looking forward to meeting you. Sincerely yours
0: zoe lambrose act two scene six the noise woke danny from her light sleep as a gentle breeze blew through the open window ruffling the curtains danny raised her head glanced at their open door and noticed the flickering light it took a while for her to process what she had just seen Danny lay there for a time staring at the ceiling before she figured out it must be the tv that wasn't turned off and was about to roll over and go back to sleep just as she had settled down a shadow drifted across the room Danny rolled over to see if Ziva had awakened she tapped Ziva to wake her up but it took a few more taps before Ziva's eyelids fluttered open
5: are you okay no, there's someone in the house.
3: Oh, probably not from outside, love.
5: Noises don't turn on lights or make shadows dance across the wall.
0: Ziva sighed, rolled out of bed, and put her hand under the bed to get her baseball bat. She stealthily went to the open bedroom door with Danny right behind her. The front door was closed, but the light was turned on. Ziva came out of the bedroom and was about to yell. When she saw a familiar figure resting on the sofa, she visibly relaxed. What are you doing? Oh, I know who it is. Ziva took Danny's hand and entered the living room. The red-headed woman on the sofa held up her drink and winked.
3: Dear God, Mum, you scared us half to death.
2: Darling, that's a little too dramatic. Tell me... What use is a baseball bat if the intruder has a gun, hmm?
3: Mother, we both know the answer to that question.
0: Larissa's smile widened, and she tried not to laugh at her daughter's outrage. She patted the seat next to her, but Ziva stood her ground.
5: Oh, this is your mom? Wow, you look like sisters. I mean, you know, red hair, green eyes youthful parents and all of that. And I think I'll shut up now.
3: I'm not sure if I should take that as a compliment, darling. My mom is a lot older than me. Speaking of my mom. Let me introduce you to the one and only Larissa Lambros. Forgive her. She doesn't know how to tell time. Mother, this is my girlfriend, Danielle Peters.
0: Ziva grinned despite her annoyance at how her mother entered her house. She approached her mother, who shook her head and kissed her tenderly on the cheek. Danny was dumbfounded by the relaxed way Ziva accepted the fact her mother had just waltzed into her house. There had been no warning of her arrival, but Ziva didn't feel uncomfortable having her mother in her living room.
3: Danny heard you fumbling around and thought you were trying to attack us.
2: Ah, you are the famous Danielle I've heard so much about. We haven't met because my daughter
3: is too secretive. (laughs) Good Lord,
0: I'm not being secretive. Larissa approached Danny and extended her arms. Danny didn't want to be touched and wanted to step away, but she stopped herself from fleeing. The hug enveloped her and Danny waited for the inevitable disengagement. Still, Mrs. Lambrose held on for longer than Danny thought she would. Her hug was genuine and exuded a feeling Danny didn't know how to express. Danny felt tears prickling at the back of her eyes and tried to clear them away before Larissa let go. She was moved by the effortless way Larissa showed her love to her daughter and by extension to her. Ziva never took her eyes off her and was about to tell her mother to stop when Danny shook her head.
5: Yeah, all right. Yeah, all fine. Mother, I thought you were arriving
2: tomorrow. I was, until your brother arranged for an earlier flight, and I decided you were closer than the estate and came here. Uh, Oh, did I catch you making love? (laughs) Usually my timing is impeccable.
3: Mother, it's midnight. I was only 20 minutes away. Did your mother just ask, um... Yes, darling, she did. And as you saw, I ignored the question. Go back to bed. I'll explain everything later.
0: Ziva watched Danny go inside their bedroom, shaking her head before she turned to her mother, who was beaming.
2: You've been hiding her, and I don't know why. She
3: is adorable. What's wrong with her? Mother, really, should be so blunt. Nothing is wrong with her.
2: She's clearly not fragile and not another one of those airheads you dated. <laughs> That's not fair. You need someone who's going to compliment you and is your equal. None of the airheads came anywhere near that. This beautiful woman is different and her eyes are captivating.
3: She passed the hug test. (laughs) Yes, she does have beautiful eyes and a beautiful son. Not everyone likes to hug a stranger, Mum. I have a feeling she's the one. Why do you ask questions when you already know the answers? That's annoying. We have free
2: will. And you may have taken a different path, that's
3: why. Could have saved me from dating their heads.
2: I'm glad we agree you dated their heads. I want my children to make their own choices in life and not have me dictate how I want them to be or who to see. I like this young lady.
3: I've fallen off the cliff. I don't think she's the one.
2: I know, baby girl. I can see it in your eyes. Mama told me you haven't introduced her to the family yet. Why is
3: that, hmm? hmm. Dan is an orphan, Ma. She doesn't come from a large family like us. That gets into everyone's business. She needs to be eased into it. So
2: you shielded her from us with lessen the impact? I could have gone home but came here because I've waited long enough. Show Danielle some respect, and let her feel the love of our family. You don't get to decide how she feels, and Danielle will tell you if she feels uncomfortable.
3: Yes, Mama.
2: Now, reassure your lady love you don't have a crazy mother who breaks in houses at midnight for no good reason.
0: (laughs) Yes, Mama. Ziva kissed her mother goodnight, and then headed for her bedroom. She found Danny sitting up in bed and smiling at her you heard that right yeah
5: you're a fantastic mom were you scared i'd be overwhelmed
3: yeah my mom is a piece of enormous puzzle that is my family it can seem intimidating to outsiders i also wanted you to, to my side before i showed you all
5: i've always wanted to be a part of a big family I have so many questions, but not tonight. I have to impress your mom with my cooking tomorrow.
0: Scene 7, interview day. Danny had changed clothes so many times, the cast-off lay on the floor of her messy bedroom. She finally settled on a blue jacket, cream shirt, and black pants. She side-eyed the yellow shirt and wondered if she should change into that when a horn blared from the outside. She rushed through the house, gathered her bags and shoes, and left. She was about to greet Z when she froze. Sitting astride a 1958 red and black BMW was her girlfriend, decked out in black leather with crimson riding boots and a crimson helmet. She had taken off her helmet and rested it on her thigh.
3: Your chariot awaits, lady.
5: Hell no! You did not go and rent that base just for me. I did not. I borrowed it. That bike is magnificent. Are you sure you can ride it? Daniel Peters, you sound like my mother. Uh Uh-uh. Pride comes before a crash. You are messing with me. Go away. Return the bike to the rental place and we will take my car.
0: With a chuckle, Ziva got off the bike, approached Danny and smiled broadly.
3: I told my Yaya you liked her bikes and asked if I could borrow Artemis.
5: That is not Artemis. Don't tease me, Z. Please. My butterflies have butterflies. That's
3: a lot of butterflies.
0: Ziva took Danny's hand and led her to the bike. She had deliberately hidden the name with her jacket when she arrived. Emblazoned on the fuel tank in gold script was the name Artemis.
3: My God, you should see your face. Do you really want to keep the great Zoe Lambrus waiting?
0: Ziva shook her head, gave Danny a spare helmet, and laughed as she put on her own helmet. Danny sat on the pillion seat and put her arms around Ziva's stomach. It was then that Danny saw the phoenix on the helmet. Ziva revved the engine and steered the bike forward until she felt a tap on her back.
5: The Lambros Foundation is the other way. Google Maps say there's less traffic and roadworks if we take that route.
0: Ziva stopped the bike once more and took off her helmet.
3: Well, that would be great if we were going to the Lambros Foundation offices. But we're not.
5: Oh, where are we going? Are we going to a coffee shop? Your grandmother likes Greek coffee, right? I've read she enjoys going to Antonio's Cafeno at the Quay.
3: You scare me. Now we're not going to the Caffinio. We're going to the Lambros Estate.
0: Danny was speechless and excitedly tapped on Ziva's back. That only caused Ziva to laugh. She nodded, turned around, and kissed Danny. She chuckled as she put on her helmet and steered the bike down the road. Mm -hmm. Scene 8 Eva Lambrose stood in the front of the screen connected to the cameras outside the gates of the Lambrose estate. She munched on some toast and watched her granddaughter on the screen dismount from the bike. Eva's dark hair had transformed into silver and black, Zoe's new favorite color scheme. She turned around when she felt Zoe approaching. Her wife's red hair was still the color it was when they met. To Eva's delight, it wasn't about to change white anytime soon Since Zoe preferred to dye her hair,
1: you've been standing here for 20 minutes watching that screen. You should be off your feet. Remember what the doctor said.
3: I'm fine now. It was just vertigo. The sight of your arbus nose made me dizzy.
1: Evie, don't joke about this.
3: I'm fine now.
1: All right. But I will come back to this after we meet Danielle.
3: Yes, love. The shiny bright light has a genuinely lovely smile. Judging from how she looks at Ziva, she has a good soul. Larissa, I can't believe you thought it was a good idea to confront Ziva about this girl. What were you thinking?
2: I had to. Ziva wasn't telling me anything and I was curious about the girl. She's charming and adorable. She doesn't like to be touched.
1: I'm sure she doesn't have a problem with Siva touching her.
2: Mother! (laughs) That
1: was funny, Zozo.
2: Moody, don't encourage her. (laughs) Anyway, she's not a touchy-feely person, but I hugged her anyway.
3: When someone doesn't like to be hugged, darling, you don't do it. Wouldn't you have waited to meet her at a civilized hour? Poor girl. I wanted to see what her reaction would be. I know what my reaction would have been.
2: Yes, I know, but I felt it was the only way.
3: A sledgehammer approach is not how you handle a soldier.
0: Larissa looked at Eva and sighed. She knew she had overstepped the mark and one look at Zoe confirmed that her parents were in lockstep Larissa was pulled into Eva's arms and kissed on the head.
3: Stop overthinking it now. What's done is done, alright? I'm getting tired of watching them play.
1: How long is our baby girl going to tease her girlfriend?
3: Mm, So far she has taken a dozen photos of her on the bike. Near the gates and back on the bike. Your mama's groupie is deliriously happy. I wonder if she'll forget to ask questions and just leave with the happy memories.
1: She she is not my groupie!
3: You are right about her,
1: Zoe. A baby girl has found a witchy knight. Yep. She has. Let's hope she has stopped defacing art. Please don't mention that you remember her from that awful night.
3: We don't want to upset her. What colour are her eyes?
1: Grey, same colour as Auntie Tessa. Unlike Tessa, this grey-eyed beauty has a temper.
3: Quiet souls need a firebrand next to them. Someone with personality, passionate, undriven.
1: The universe sometimes gives us what we want. Let's get this party started! I promise to behave and not mention her nickname. It's time to bring them in. Are you going to go upstairs and rest?
3: No, I'm not. I had a bit of vertigo. And that was it. Zoe, my love. I'm fine. Please stop worrying. I'm staying because we didn't get introduced to the...
1: The airheads. (laughs) You must
3: stop calling them that. They were not airheads. They were models. I hope Danielle doesn't... All over in a heap after her goddess is already taken. Mama has a
2: stalker. <laughs> I'm staying for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you are both not funny. Yes, we are. We made you smile.
0: Scene nine. Danny was content to sit on the bike and be photographed. She didn't want to go in and face her idol. She knew that once Zoe Lambros met her, She would remember the vandal instead of what she had become.
3: Well, I think I've taken every angle of you on the bike. Would you like to go through the gates? Put on your big girl pants, and let's meet your idol. You've waited for this moment for a long time.
5: I know how much this means to you. They they don't know we're here and
0: Ziva smiled and tapped Danny on the shoulder. She pointed to the camera on the right and the left. The cameras were hidden in two large trees.
3: They know we're here. If I know my grandmother, she's probably watching us right now. Wave to Yaya Zoe. My mom's probably there, as well as my great aunt Eva. He's in for a treat. The three matriarchs of the family. No pressure.
0: Danny covered her face and laughed. On the other side of the camera, Eva smiled. She motioned for Zoe to come over and waited until her wife was beside her.
3: I like this girl. She's not cocky or thinks she can dazzle you. She's also dressed modestly and not trying to impress you by dressing up.
1: Were you expecting her boobies to be out for show and tell? Mother! Dear God! The things you come out with. Two of you should take your act on the road. She is passionate about the things she truly believes in. We will win this vote with her article, because it will jump off the page.
2: You like her. Uh, Moody was right. You understand her. I do. Be
1: gentle with her. and don't get her so overawed that she forgets how to speak. Evie. She has faced the Taliban. She's not scared of little old me.
0: Eva burst into uproarious guffaws and grabbed the side of the table for support. With her arm around Zoe's shoulder, she kissed her soundly.
3: <laughs> the world has been scared of you for seven decades. Oh, look. The gates are opening.
0: Get ready for showtime. The bike slowly came to a stop outside the main house. Ziva turned off the engine and glanced at Danny, who looked up at the enormous house with the widest eye stare she had ever seen. The house was impressive, there was no doubt about it. It was meant to be imposing. Danny got off the bike, took a deep breath, and exhaled. I
3: think I'm going to puke. Not in Uncle Teddy's prize-winning roses, please. You'll upset him.
0: Ziva was more than a little impressed with Danny's courage. She was terrified of meeting Zoe again. Her desire to meet her hero, the woman who meant more to her than anyone realized, was more important than her fear. Ziva made way for Danny to knock on the door. Ziva heard the distinctive tap of her Omas cane on the polished floorboards and grinned. She stepped to the left to better view Danny when the door opened. Danny was too engrossed watching the door to notice where Ziva had moved. Scene 10. The door opened, and Danny saw the cane and looked up at the most elegant woman she had ever seen. Danny wasn't sure if she was dreaming, but she was staring, her mouth agape, at Eva Lambros, the owner of Lambros Industries, the woman's piercing blue eyes bore into her own. And Danny almost panicked, almost, because Eva's face split into a wide smile that transformed her face. Ziva so stepped forward, put her arms around her grandmother and kissed her on the cheek.
3: Are you all right, Alma? Mike said you had a dizzy spell. Yes, I'm fine, darling. Hmm. There's more to this story. No, there isn't. We are being rude to your friend.
5: Good morning, Miss Peters. I am... Good morning, Mrs. Lambrose.
0: Oh my, you are gorgeous and tall and... Ziva tried to hide the giggle and looked up at her grandmother. Eva's eyebrows rose and that was the only reaction she had. Ziva knew Eva wanted to laugh but kept it together to not embarrass Danny please come inside your quarry awaits eva caught ziva's eye and grinned she mouthed you are evil before she clasped ziva's hand and led them towards the living room they realized danny had stopped and turned to find her gazing at the hallway artwork ziva went over to her girlfriend and stood next to her
5: i've never seen these pieces before this is my family And I will introduce them
3: when you finish the interview.
0: With one last look at the artwork, Danny followed C into the living room. Seated on a long sofa, Eva sipped a cup of tea. Sitting beside her was Zoe, who immediately rose from the couch and approached Danny with her hand outstretched. Danny stared at her and appeared to be overawed. Good
1: morning, Miss Peters. Welcome to our home. It's a pleasure to meet
5: you. Oh, yes. It's a pleasure you meet me. No, but... Oh, God almighty.
0: Danny slapped her hand over her mouth before she finished the explicitive, and was mortified she had just sworn in front of her idol. She wanted a hole to open and swallow her whole at her crass behavior. Ziva was going to intervene, but she noticed Eva give her a slight head shake.
5: I'm so sorry. That was, I'm sorry, an alien has abducted my brain, and I didn't mean to swear. You are extraordinary, and it was more than rude. I'm not sure what I was thinking, but it's obvious that I have no functioning brain right now, and should go and bury myself. Somewhere, no one can find me, because you are Zoe Lambros, and I swore in front of you, and oh my god, I can't stop my mouth yammering like a demented ferret. Breathe.
1: The world is not ending because you said fuck or you're yammering like a demented ferret. Not sure about the aliens.
0: Danny stared at Zoe and blinked rapidly. She smiled shyly at Zoe and stuck out her hand.
5: Let's try this again before the ferret comes back. It's my absolute... A pleasure to meet you.
1: Yes, we've been through that. You'll recover well when the ferret stays hidden.
5: You are, huh? It's a pleasure. Ah,
1: she's back to normal. Do you want to start this introduction again
5: now that you can breathe? It's my absolute pleasure to meet you, Mrs. Lambrose. Thank you for agreeing to this interview.
1: All right, then. Let's head to my studio. Follow me.
0: Act three, scene 11. Danny leaned over and was about to turn off her phone recording app when Zoe stopped her. Danny smiled, left the phone app turned on and sat back in the wicker chair. The studio was a marvel to see. It was light and colorful. It was everything she imagined it to be and reflected the artist.
5: Thank you for being so gracious with your time, Mrs. Lambrose. You've lived an extraordinary life. I
1: don't think it's been extraordinary. It was just life. You must live it the best way possible, and with the people you love. That's why this SSM vote is important. We deserve to marry the people we love. We have the exact wants and needs. We shouldn't have to justify our love or have a public servant dictate how we live.
5: As a young lesbian in Greece, there had to be some pressure to marry and be stuck in an arranged marriage. You've been doing research on Greek customs.
1: Yes. If you didn't marry by the age of 15 or 16, it was the talk of the village that there was something wrong with you. My mother used to say that nothing was worse than a young woman being on the shelf. (laughs) The pressure was real but I never entertained getting married. I didn't want to. I drove the local matchmaker crazy with my antics.
5: The poor woman. Did you know of other lesbians in your village?
1: Not back then, but I didn't even know what that meant. Of course, when it finally dawned on me that I was a lesbian, everything made sense and I knew where I fit into this world. Your next question should be the most obvious one. Why did you decide to come out? No, that's not your next question. You're letting your relationship with my granddaughter influence what you ask. Let me help you with that. Mrs. Lambros, who is your lover? I'm glad you asked, Danny. I have been in love with just one woman since 1944. And I married her in 1946. My love for her has never faltered. I'll show you who it is. And that's a scoop for you. Your editor will have an editorial orgasm.
5: There's a visual I don't need.
1: You're giving me the scoop of the century. Let's not get carried away. Come with me and take your phone because you want to record what I say.
0: Danny followed Zoe through the maze of canvases. Zoe opened the door that led to an annex of the studio that appeared to be Zoe's office. The walls were lined with awards, including Zoe's prize winning art pieces. Danny couldn't believe it, but this was Zoe's personal space. She doubted anyone other than family had entered the room. A six-foot canvas on the wall behind Zoe's desk dominated the room. Danny looked up at Three images that seemed to morph into one person. It started with a young Eva wearing a dark cloak. It morphed into a self-assured woman wearing a dark jacket and looking down with a crooked smile. The final image was of a radiant, older Eva wearing an incandescent blue cloak that matched her eyes. That is
5: stunning. Yes, she is.
1: Sit. Before we continue... Don't let your relationship with my granddaughter stop you from asking personal questions. If
5: I don't like the question, I won't answer it. Thank you, Mrs. Lambrose. I'll keep that in mind. I'm a soldier and not a reporter, but I will become whatever I need to be for the SSM vote to get the yes vote to the top.
0: Zoe sat back in her chair and smiled. This was the street kid, the brawler that Zoe had hoped would surface. She was not disappointed.
1: You feel things passionately, and that is what I'm after. You work harder when you have skin in the game.
0: Danny looked up at Eva's portrait and back at Zoe in amazement. Eva Lambros would have never been on her list if she had to list the names of possible lovers. It was the best-kept secret that had lasted 70 years.
5: Mrs. Lambrose is a stunning, powerful woman, but you are so different. No offense to your wife, but I would have never guessed it was her. I honestly thought you and Mrs. Jacobs were lovers.
0: Zoe rocked back in her chair and laughed. She tried to stop, but every time she saw Danny's astonished look, it set her off again.
1: Oh, no. Elena Jacobs is the straightest chick that ever lived. Oh, that tickles me. Uh, As for Eva, she is going to be thrilled you said that. She likes to be in the background, and no one has ever suspected. If they did,
5: they weren't game enough to write about it. Your eyes light up when you talk about her. Zeba calls true love falling off a cliff. If given half a chance, you could talk about your Eva all day and still have stories to tell.
1: My wife is the best thing to happen to me. There aren't many people you'd happily surrender to. Surrender was never in my lexicon. Eva rewrote its meaning when she came into my world. When you love someone, you give yourself entirely to that person. You are willing to let down the walls you build around yourself and allow them in. Finding someone who surrenders just as much is even more unusual. When you do find them, nothing can stand in your way. That kind of love is rare. There is nothing I wouldn't do to protect her.
5: That's so beautiful. I've always thought that kind of love was a myth. Speaking of your wife, I looked for interviews with her, but I couldn't find any. How is that possible after all these years of running such a huge company?
1: Eva never talks to the press. She finds them abhorrent, while I like to shove their proof shittery in their faces. Different approaches, same result.
5: Um, this isn't related, but it's been on my mind since I was assigned the interview.
1: I was wondering when you were going to get to it.
5: Did you give me this interview because you remembered who I was, or because you feel I'm the right person for the job?
1: I gave you this interview because you are the love of my dear Siva's life. I remembered the rebel without a clue after seeing a photo of you. Ouch.
5: But well-deserved.
1: I was once in your shoes and filled with fury. Mine was directed at the Italians, Germans, and God. On the other hand, you were dealt a shitty hand in life. Those are not the same. One needs to find the strength to rise to the challenge presented. Did you rise
5: to the challenge? I did, and you had everything to do with it.
0: Zoe reached into her desk and retrieved a frame. She held it for a moment and turned it around. A five Australian dollar note was at the center of the frame, and a message was scrawled in black marker sorry for being stupid oh
1: oh honey don't cry on me you held it together relatively well other than a few demented ferret moments you met my daughter who is a good judge of character you've impressed eva lambros which is extraordinary on its own your name was danielle
5: but it wasn't peters at the time I never knew who my parents were. I was given the cop's surname that found me. I chose Peter so I could make amends for the stupid thing I did. Hmm.
1: the universe has a way of righting its wrongs. Everything you have done since that night has been about redemption, honor, and being worthy of the T-shirt
5: you wore that night. Of course, you remember the T-shirt.
1: Darling, I've got a photographic memory. I can recall everything about that night. Do you still have the serpent tattoo on your right bicep?
0: Danny removed her jacket and stared incredulously at Zoe. She rolled up her sleeve to reveal the tattoo to Zoe.
1: Ah, My memory is a curse and a blessing. You chose this serpent because it signifies strength, creativity and continuity. We were destined to meet again.
5: I wouldn't think you would believe in a myth such as destiny. I've seen too much to discount it. You also have a couple of tattoos yourself. What does the phoenix mean to you? It represents
1: resurrection and life. My wife is my phoenix, and I'm hers. She resurrected me from the depths of hell and gave me life. We were both broken, and together we healed.
0: Danny was unprepared for such a personal revelation and was profoundly moved by Zoe's passion for her wife. Clearly, 71 years had not dimmed the woman's love for her wife.
5: You've never revealed that to anyone outside the family, have you? No, and I didn't intend to do it today either. I will consider that off the record, because it's just too personal. You can use it. Does she have a
1: phoenix tattoo? Oh, goodness, no. (laughs) She loves them on me.
5: I saw a photo of you riding with dykes on bikes in the Mardi Gras last year. Half the tap was hidden, but it looked like the Star of David. Is that right?
0: Zoe rolled her sleeve and showed off the tattoo on her left biceps. Danny leaned forward and marveled at the simple, yet powerful symbol.
5: You're not Jewish, but you proudly wear the Star of David. Why is the symbol for life in the middle of it? Is that part of the phoenix representation?
0: Zoe rose from her chair and went to the artwork near the window. She brought it back and gave it to Danny.
1: In Greek, my name means life. My Star of David was a gift from my cousin, Elizabeth and her husband, Angelos. They were Jewish. They added the life symbol because it was their gift to me. I fought with my cousin, Ellie, on my first mission in the resistance. Christian and Jew. We fought as one.
5: It's heartbreaking that anti-Semitism is rearing his ugly head again.
1: You never surrender to those who hate you. Don't appease them, hoping they will change. They won't. Wear your Star of David proudly.
5: You are extraordinary. I know it's unprofessional to say that in the middle of an interview, but you are. You also have no idea what you did the first night we met. You changed my life.
1: No one can change your life, except you. What I did was show you how much damage your anger caused. I understood your rage. Your life up to that point was chaos. But we all come to a point where we have to decide what to do next. Look at you now. You're a medic in the army. You have a gorgeous girlfriend. And you will write the best interview that shitty newspaper has ever published. You did all the hard work.
5: That isn't the way I see it. Anyway. I see it that way. As for my Siva... Please...
1: Don't hurt her. And if you are not serious.
5: I'm serious about her. I will never hurt her. She's the love of my life I knew at the moment I saw her.
1: In this family,
5: promises are never broken. Zay has told me about your family code. As a fellow soldier, I give you my word. I will never betray her trust nor be unfaithful.
1: My wife would say I'm being premature. But welcome to the family. Now, as for outing my wife, I want you to leave that out until the SSM vote comes through.
5: I smell a Pulitzer.
1: (laughs) I doubt that. But one never knows. I'm hungry, and I don't want to have Abby cooking. She's terrible. The stories I could tell about her cooking. Like when she let a pressure cooker explode. That is for another time.
0: Scene 12. October 27, 2017. The referendum vote ends. Ziva was sprawled on the bed, gloomily browsing through social media. She had read too many posts by trolls spewing their venomous hatred of the vote and had shut off the phone in disgust. She flicked through the TV stations, watched the news about the vote, and then channel surfed before turning everything off. Ziva looked up at the ceiling and waited for Danny to come to bed.
5: Are you up for chat?
3: For you. I'll stay up all night. What did you have in mind?
5: Oh, before I tell you, Zoe, I mean your grandmother... What did
3: she say for you to call her?
5: Yaya, that seems premature to me.
3: If she told you to call her that, she considers you a family. Is that understood, soldier?
5: Yes, ma'am. Yaya told me about an idea for a book about their journey from war-torn Greece to Australia.
3: Yep, Yaya has a name for the book already.
5: I suggested Journey of Souls, but she said something in Greek that didn't sound complimentary.
3: Probably not. She wants to call it in the blood of the Greeks. It's a line from the Greek national anthem.
5: I like that. Now, since we are speaking about your grandmothers, I was waiting for you to apologize for the great aunt's lie. You called Eva Oma when I met her at the door. I wasn't bamboozled enough to miss that. You spoke German to her, so I wouldn't understand. I googled the word when we got back.
3: She is my great-aunt. And my grandmother. She got married to Zoe's brother, Theodore. It's a long story, but I'll give you the cliff notes.
5: You have a complicated family.
3: No, it's not. Well, this part isn't all. Zoe wanted children. And technically she was single, in 1949 Ava said, said no, because the state would take them away from Zoe, since being a single woman and pregnant was taboo. Like everything they do, they find a way around the obstacle.
5: Something Zoe said made me think of The Art of War by Sun Jiu. I didn't know she would be interested in Jiu.
3: The Jiu devotee is Ava, rather than Zoe. That makes sense, considering all about avoiding conflict and war. Ava found that she needed to get around the problem and found a unique way of doing it. She decided it would be a good idea for Zoe to marry her cousin Thomas. Don't laugh. Maybe you should because that news was not well received.
5: Good grief. This whole thing would also make a great TV show.
3: Their life still with drama. Zoe's brother Theodore agreed to marry Ava, thus she became Zoe's sister-in-law, and their children, legal guardian, if anything happened to Zoe.
5: Damn, that's some fancy footwork, and it was genius.
3: It all started when Zoe had her accident, with the mabel bike, and they wouldn't allow Ava to know anything about her condition. If anything happened to you. I oh, would go crazy. Imagine being in Ava's in 1949. You know how much they love each other. And it had to be extremely painful to have a bar from finding a, out about Zoe's condition. So that's how she became both my great aunt and my grandmother.
5: Both were true.
3: I didn't lie. I've been calling Oma my great aunt for as long as I can remember. Do you think it's fair to out it to people that have no business to know?
5: I'm not some random chick. I'm your partner.
3: I oh, know. And I'm sorry I didn't tell you the story earlier. Even when my mother told me to let you in on the secret.
5: You told me it was vital that we don't keep secrets, and I agreed. That was a big secret, Z. am
3: sorry. I won't do that again. Before I tell you about my family's biggest secret, I must tell you what will happen at the House on Vote Announcement Day. All of them will be descending on the estate. I mean, all of them. It's going to get silly. It's going to get loud. And there will be a lot of stupid jokes.
5: Racist jokes?
3: Hell no! Where'd you get that from? No one says anything racist in my family. No one. Racism has never been an issue. Never.
5: Don't get defensive. When someone says stupid jokes, I understand that to mean racist, so I thought you were warning me about Jewish or black jokes.
3: Newsflash. You're not the only Jewish woman in the family, nor the only biracial chick in this clan.
5: I'm part of this family just like that?
3: No, it's not just like that. Winning over the matriarchs of this family is like winning the lottery. They have been judgmental of the girls I've dated. Introducing my mother and grandparents to you is almost as good as a marriage proposal.
5: I don't think it works that way. By the way, who in your plan is biracial?
3: You'll find out. As I said, there will be crazy hardgings involving my brothers. I just thought I should warn you.
5: Really? You thought they would scare me?
3: No. I'm warning you because crazy stuff happens. An instigator is usually Oma Eva. Hard to believe, but it's true.
5: Do you always get along? Which is impossible, or is that an act?
3: We have our disagreements like our families do. We never let our disputes fester overnight. We're incredibly close. Now for the biggest secret of them all, get comfortable, because this is a long story with no cliff
0: notes. thirteen. 13 November 15th, 2017. Referendum vote announcement. The day had finally arrived and the referendum results were going to be announced. The Lambros household was abuzz with activity as all the clan assembled. C and Danny arrived at the main gate to be greeted by security. Various news organizations had sent reporters to cover the Lambros' reaction to the vote. Their car was passed through, and they drove down the long road to the central courtyard. Danny was amazed at the assembled cars and bikes. It looked like a parking lot. Theo wore a yellow, high-vis vest and directed the traffic.
5: I didn't realize this place could hold so many vehicles. Look at all those bikes.
3: Yeah, aren't they beautiful? Wait until Yaya Zoe leads them out of the estate and down the highway. It's a sight to behold. You're riding with me.
5: You want me to ride with you with a broken foot?
3: We're taking Mabel for a spin.
5: Be Mabel? Really?
3: You're not girling again, are you? Yes, the neighbor.
5: Thank you for dropping the tree limb on my foot. This is fantastic. Oh dear God! Theo's joining himself. He's such a character.
3: My God, he's a terrible signer.
5: What the hell is he trying to say? Um, guess who got left? No, go ink, ink, something. I think he said ink. Who's that? Bloody
3: hell, I got the time off, my twin brother, Nicky. But we call him because I couldn't pronounce his name and his hair is black. Black is not a color. His hair is black with blue highlights like ink in smarty pants.
0: When Ziva saw a Silver Triumph Trophy motorcycle parked close to the house, she immediately stopped talking. She applied the brakes. Which resulted in the vehicle coming to a sudden and total stop.
3: See that gorgeous sister triumph over there? That's Nicky's bike. He's home.
5: I'll see him when you go inside. No, you won't. Go see him now. I'll be all right. The boys are heading this way, and since I have two big brothers now, I'll put them to good use. Go out and find Ink. I love you.
0: Ziva kissed Danny and Bolted out of the vehicle. She ran down the driveway, took the steps two at a time, and entered the main house.
6: There's our new sister. Good to see you again. Do you want some help? How's the foot? Those tree limbs are deadly.
5: Your signing needs work, brother.
6: Ah, uh, you just carry Greeklish. So there, Zoro goes bashing crazy when Inks around. They have some voodoo mind thing going on. What do you think of his bike? It's a
5: beauty.
4: Thay, what the hell was that signing? You looked like you were about to dislocate your shoulder. Good to see you
5: again, Daddy. We were here to escort you to the house. I don't need an escort. I've been here before.
6: Oh, that's our instructions, ma'am. We are here to take you safely to your destination. Please put your tray table up.
5: You gain assisting doughnuts.
4: We've always been nuts. Do lesbians propose and get a
0: tree limb to fall on their foot? Is that the new ritual or an old one? Danielle laughed and shook her head in delight. The Lambros clan was living up to what she thought families were. They were a little crazy and touched by some magical force, but they were everything she ever wanted and didn't have. She sniffed back the happy tears. She looked up to find that her new brothers were looking concerned.
5: Settle down, boys. I'm just happy. That's all.
4: Do you want some help getting up to the house?
5: I have two big brothers, and I will take advantage of that. What's your idea?
4: We thought we would take you in a wheelbarrow.
5: (laughs) You want to break my other foot? I'll just use my crutches, and you can follow you just want to push the wheelbarrow.
2: <laughs> Let Dania leave the car before you to do your comedy routine. Hello, I'm Auntie Elena.
0: Danny looked over to find herself face to face with Elena Jacobs, the other half of the Lambros Institute. Her brown eyes crinkled on seeing Danny, and she sat down on the driver's side and smiled. Danny stared open-mouthed at seeing yet another Australian icon. Elena Jacobs had received two of Australia's most prestigious art prizes, the Archibald Prize twice, and a win prize. Danny stared at the star of David in the hollow of her neck.
5: Hi, um
2: Ziva, talk later. And welcome to the family. Boys, help her out of the car.
0: Ziva took the steps two at a time and barged through the open door. Her eldest niece, Helena, pointed her to the stairs. Ziva raced up the stairs, took a sharp turn to the left, and stopped in front of an open bedroom door. Her mother was sitting on the bed, drinking coffee.
2: Oh, why are you so
3: sweaty? I bolted from the car and up the stairs after I saw Nicky's bike. Setting up the canopies out the back. he
2: will be there for some time, which is a perfect time to talk. Why now?
0: Larissa took her daughter into her embrace and hugged her fiercely. She looked up and smiled.
3: Have you told her about our unique family? Yes, and left speechless. And she said she now understood why we are so close-knit group. She will fit right in. Was the proposal romantic? Well, oh. I took it to Fink's Point and got down on one knee and everything. Very romantic until I went to move the tree limb and dropped it on her foot. It was heavier than it looked. I didn't have a chance to buy her a ring. <laughs> oh, darling,
2: that is memorable. <laughs> I have something to make up for that. I have a ring for you.
0: Larissa took out a small box from her bedside table drawer and opened it. Sitting inside was an ornate gold ring. She gave it to Ziva.
2: Mama wanted me to give you this ring. It
3: belonged to... Cousin Elizabeth. Well, I've seen Yaya What's the story behind that? I tried to find out more. But Yaya Zoe would get emotional. And I didn't want to hurt her.
2: Mama has been waiting for you to find the right girl and wants you to have it. She would give it to you, but it was a little too much. I decided to do it instead. The fact that Danielle's Jewish makes it even more special. On the night of Mama's first resistance mission in 1941, cousin Ellie wrote a letter to her. She gave her the Star of David with a life symbol, something you've often seen your yaya wear. Ellie also gave Mama. Her wedding ring.
0: Ziva took the ring and held it in her palm. Her yaya's undying love for her cousin Elizabeth was a stirring story of love and devotion. What wasn't known was that Zoe had been waiting for the right time to pass on the ring. Scene 14. A pleasant breeze blew across the heads. The blue skies above were flawless for a momentous day for the LGBTQ plus community. The rainbow flag was proudly displayed and fluttered in the wind. A large canopy was draped from one side of the estate's backyard to the other. It served two purposes. The first was to deter the helicopters and the second was to shield the giant screen from the sun's glare. The vote announcement would happen at 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. They were an hour away from the results. Danny was sitting in the sunroom and watching the screen as it flicked over to the other states and back to Sydney. Ziva wore a fedora, and someone had playfully stuck a press note on it. She would take the photos for the day for the Daily Observer. Danny was too preoccupied with the antics of Ziva and her brothers to notice Larissa and two other women sitting opposite her.
2: I want to introduce you to my sister, Edwina, and Ziva's godmother. Allie!
0: Danny turned around and was rendered speechless. Sitting opposite her was Dame Alison Peters, the governor of New South Wales. Edwina also looked familiar. She couldn't place her. Danny was about to stand when Larissa shook her head. She sat down and tried to attract Ziva's attention, but her fiancé had her back and talked to Nicholas, who chuckled while he observed the scene.
3: Mom just dropped the twin bombs, didn't she?
6: <laughs> yep. Mom lives for this stuff. Poor Danny looks like she's about to faint. Pure evil you are.
3: Yes, I'm loving it, oh, I am.
6: <laughs> oh, I love how she pronounces ya ya. It sounds like a strangled cat. And I love her for even trying. Oh, she's perfect for you, Zoro. Just perfect.
3: I could cry, Inky.
6: Oh, I would if I were you. Oh, You just missed one of the helicopters nearly crashing. Bloody vultures.
3: Damn. Yaya Zoe would have loved to have had a photo of that. What is Danny doing now?
6: Oh, she's crying and laughing. I think Auntie Eddie has a new fan. Uh-oh. Yaya's coming this way. I'm leaving now.
0: Nick quickly exited, much to Zoe's amusement, and she approached Ziva. They spoke for a moment. Ziva glanced at Danny and smiled before following her grandmother away from the backyard. Ziva returned ten minutes later and went to Danny.
3: Let's make our way down. The announcement is going to happen. Yaya gave me one of Omar's canes, so you don't have to use that ugly thing you've been they gave you at the hospital.
0: Everyone assembled and the screen focused on the crowd of the official announcement in Sydney's Prince Alfred Park. Eva and Zoe made their way to the front of the gathering where Zoe stood at the back and let Eva take the lead.
3: Watch almost superpower, everything shot up in one, two.
0: Eva took the microphone and stood for a moment. The hubbub died down just as quickly.
3: We are moments away from the fundamental human right that we have been denied for so long. I am going to be quick. Something special will happen after, and I will be addressing the press. I will be quiet now and let the state's fellow announce it.
0: The chief statistician, David Kalish, addressed the expectant crowd, rattling off stats that bored everyone. The public was only interested in two figures, the yes votes and how much they won. Eva looked at Zoe and blew her a kiss. Kalish was still rattling off numbers and neared that magic number. 79.5% of eligible voters participated in the plebiscite. site. 7,817,247 voted yes, equivalent to 61.6% of the vote. The crowd drowned as other figures and the nation celebrated joyously. Ziva wiped away her happy tears and tried to focus the camera. She captured the photo of the day when she took a shot of her grandparents kissing. She switched cameras, which was against her rule of using digital cameras, snatched Danny's phone and snapped several additional photographs. Eva proceeded to stand once more. Despite the boisterous crowd, She chuckled at the air kisses she was getting from everyone, and they soon quieted down.
3: (laughs) This means I can legally marry that fiery Greek lass after all. I have to do something about that. Now, I have been asked by our dear sister, from another mister, that she has something to say. Over to you, Ellen.
2: As you all know, Zoe is shy about speaking her mind. We were in town on November 15, 1948, and we talked about how gays and lesbians couldn't walk down the street and hold hands or kiss in public. Zoe was adamant that in 50 years, well, 67, but who's counting, she would shout from the rooftops that she was married to Eva Muller and would kiss her for the whole world to see. Well, my dear sister, it's time to put your money where your mouth is and keep your promise.
1: Game on! Our resident journalist and newest family member, Danielle, will address the press before Eva takes the microphone. I must find the courage to scream at the top of my lungs that I love the German lass. Easiest bet I'm ever going to win.
0: Scene 15. Ziva watched the press gather outside the gates of the Lambros estate. A podium had been erected at the estate's gates, and everyone had assembled. The general buzz seemed friendly, but Ziva spotted some Right wing commentators in the group that had no right being there. She glanced at her grandmother, who indicated that it was okay for them to stay.
5: Welcome, everyone. So, did anything exciting happen today? I'm really pleased to be speaking to you on this joyous day. Please refrain from shouting over one another with your questions. That would be super. I would like to introduce Mrs. Ava Lambrose, head of Lambrose Industries. She has a few things to say. Thank you, Danyan. Today has been
3: a momentous day for us in the LGBTQ plus community. Australia proved the world. Despite its horrendous past laws, such as condemning gay men to imprisonment and death, that we deserve to marry whomever we want. she just added herself in a schooling them. That's a brave Oma. She's fired up. I want to thank the 7, 817, 247 Australians who voted yes. You have made so many people deliriously happy. As you all know. I came to Australia in 1947.
0: Zoe's eyebrows rose and she looked at Ziva with a questioning look. Ziva merely shrugged and hoped Zoe would believe her. She knew precisely what Eva was going to do.
3: The journey to Australia in 1946 was an exciting experience in and of itself. On November 20, 1946, while the ship was still at sea in Ensuada, Australia, I knelt before the woman who had captured my heart I propose to her. Her name is Zoe Lambos. She has been my companion, lover and best friend for the past seven decades. According to God's law, we have been married for 71 years. Australia has voted to change the marriage act. I call on the Australian parliament to change the marriage act per the wishes of 61.9% of the voters. Make my union and many others legal. Zoe, my love, I need you to come up here.
0: Zoe made her way to the podium where she appeared absolutely dumbfounded as she stood there. As soon as Eva noticed Zoe crying, she wiped away the tears. She whispered, My surprise. Happy belated birthday gift, my love, and happy anniversary. She went down on one knee in front of Zoe and kept her gaze directed upward while she did so.
3: I love you more than you will ever know. You have been the best thing to happen to me. And I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you marry me again?
1: Absolutely, yes. I still want to spend an eternity with you.
0: Amid the flashes going off and the numerous questions being yelled, Eva rose to her feet and took Zoe into her arms. She then dipped Zoe and kissed her soundly. Danny spent some time trying to calm everyone down while simultaneously fighting the urge to laugh.
1: Oh, Well, that was a good heart starter, wasn't it? I didn't see that coming. Even after 71 years of marriage, In 1947, my best friend, Elena Jacobs, and I had a wager. I told her I would shout my love for this incredible woman from the rooftops. Since this podium is high enough, I'm about to win a 67-year-old bet. I love Eva Mueller. And since I just kissed her, that sealed the win. Where is my dear friend, Elena? Pay up, sister. I win. Scene 16,
0: 1958. Eva gasped as the vision ended. She was disoriented. She turned on the bedside light and looked across at her still sleeping wife. A smile creased her face. Zoe was still asleep. Everything was normal. The vision had taken her years into the future, a future she desperately wanted to see. Eva quietly chuckled. They were going to create a dynasty, a loving family that they both desired. Eva kissed Zoe softly.
3: We will get everything we want and more. Happy anniversary, my love.
0: Eva drifted off to sleep with a smile on her face. On December 9th, 2017, the Australian Parliament passed an amendment to the Marriage Act that made it legal for any two people, no matter what sex they are, to get married. Love won. The end. Thank you for joining us on Sherry's Playhouse. You have been listening to Never Too Late. The continuing story of Zoe and Eva Lambros. Our playwright is Mary D. Brooks with direction by Sherry Rabinowitz. Our cast of characters in the dual role of a young and elderly Zoe Lambros, Ariel Strauss. Eva Lambros and her granddaughter Ziva Lambros were portrayed by Janae Spano, in the dual role of the young and elderly Elena Mannheim-Jacobs, Moe Hannon, as Danielle Peters, Amanda Williams, as Larissa Lambros, Moe McCannon. Burke Carruthers and Michael Lambros were portrayed by Raymond Brent, and voicing the brothers Nicholas and Theodore Lambros was Jay Wall, As your narrator, I am Hugh Regalado. Thank you again for listening in and look for other presentations and interviews here on Sherry's Playhouse.